Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, airlines are making money by the plane load, and it got so hot on a Delta plane in Las Vegas, passengers became ill. More details on those stories next in the news. If you're a fan of the theater or the ballpark or any other public venue, the rules of what you can carry inside are changing. We have a smarter traveler update at 320. I spent most of the last week on a trip to Puget Sound in Washington State. There is no more beautiful place to visit, and I have some tips about ferry boats, small towns, and where you can find the best ice cream on the planet at 335. And at 355, our odds and ends segment has a trip insurance, a lost bag update, and a follow-up warning on fake call centers on the agenda. If you love to travel and you want to be smart about it, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Travel Guys. On the road again. Welcome, welcome, traveling fanatics. Travel guys are on the radio. Mark and Tom, the travel and entertainment guys, every Sunday, 3 to 4. Thanks for coming along. It's a uh, another blister, another blistering Sunday in Sacramento, but we'll all survive. I, I feel for those of you who uh, decide that they want to go to the state fair in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, it's a, <laughs> go early. Who would late. make that decision? That, that, that could be a, a life-changing decision, as in... Keeling over on the pavement type. Well, thing. you know, people travel to Sacramento uh, this mm-hmm. time of the year from other parts, particularly you know parts of California, Bay Area, whatever, to uh, to to go to the travel uh, to go to the California State Fair, and uh, you know once they're here, they're going to go hot or not. <laughs> yeah, well, I get that. I was lucky. I spent all week up in uh, Puget, up in Washington State. Basically on Puget Sound, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk a little bit about it uh, at the bottom of the hour. But uh, what a incredibly gorgeous place to visit! And while you all were down here in the mm-hmm. upper nineties and triple digits, um, we were up there in the low to mid seventies. And so I, you know, I mean, uh, don't mean to to rub it into anybody, but boy, I'll tell you what, there's that's a beautiful place to visit. And in the summertime, there's a lot of folks up there. But in the summertime, there are still, you get over on the west side of Puget Sound, there are still some places that are pretty cool. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of those uh, a little bit later on in the program. All right. We got lots to cover today on the program, so let's get with it. At the top of every Travel Guys radio program, we bring you up to date on what's been going on in the travel news. And with it, here's Mr. Mark Hoffman. All right, we've talked a lot about uh, airlines and pilots, and everybody's looking for a better deal. I'm sure we're going to see flight attendants and ramp workers, and once the pilots have set the standard, you can look for everybody else to come in behind and say, hey, we want more money too, um, which is not, I suppose, completely unreasonable considering how inflationary the economy has been and stuff recently. Um, these folks want to be taken care of. Of course, one of the problems is that the, the better deal they get, the more inflationary, the more they add to the inflation pressure. American Airlines pilots this week are looking to overhaul their deal after United's pilots got a new contract. And, of course, the Delta people got one, and now the United people have got one. So the American people are saying, hey, wait a minute. When we saw what these people got, 
apparently in what they were asking for, they're like, we need to ask for more uh, because of of what they got. Americans pilots are, were expected to vote on a four-year contract proposal next week. But uh, now they're asking the airline to the union is to further improve the contract to meet the new industry standards. So this is kind of a one up situation. Hopefully it levels off at some point. You can't help but believe that um, if United gave its pilots a 42 percent pay increase over the length of their contract and the pilot is the highest paid guy on the plane, then there is no way that doesn't somehow filter down to airfares. I would think so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest, folks. If you if you eat breakfast at Denny's and everybody in the place makes two dollars more, the cost of your breakfast is going up. I mean, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to to figure that out. Um, speaking of dollars in the air industry, in the airline industry, um, U.S. travel agency air ticket sales topped eight billion um, in the last quarter, and three airlines have reported the three major airlines have reported record high earnings. So these would be the same people that we bailed out with tens of billions of dollars in taxpayer money a few years ago with COVID. They stuck it to the consumers, and now, folks, um, they are making plenty of money. So American Delta and United have all reported um, for the second quarter, and they are all doing wonderfully. So the next time one of the airlines hits us with a sob story about how they're barely making it, um, not so much would be the the real truth of the matter is that air the, these guys are being have been able to cover their extra costs and all that jazz and they're still making money. So somebody has has figured out the business model pretty well. Listen on um on our uh, yeah on our website at travelguysradio.com, I hope. Yeah, um, when, when it's uh, when it's when it's up and running, uh, folks, we've been having some issues. So, and uh, you give it a shot. Uh, if you if you strike out, try try again at travelguysradio.com. We're working on yeah, it. Yeah, it's been down most of the last couple of weeks, but we're on top of it. Anyways, I've posted, and I'll leave it up there for a while. Um, to we've talked a lot about the TSA and firearms on airplanes, and about how many have been confiscated. So um, I got an email, Tom, in our mailbox from someone who is a traveler, and he said, look, um, you know, you guys talk about why would people take a gun on an airplane? And he says, I go to competitions, mm-hmm. and I need to be able to take my gun with me. And he said, I, I am hesitant to put it in, you know, to, obviously I'm not supposed to bring it in a carry-on. I'm supposed to put it in the in – he says, I know how to do it and everything. But he said, I would just appreciate it if you would – I want to let you know that there are reasons – that people, he said, if you're a gun dealer and you might be going somewhere to a gun show or something like that, he gave me a few examples of of why people might have firearms in their luggage. But he was also pointing out that um, the rules are very well known. And if you're going to uh, to take a gun on a plane, uh, then there, there are ways to do it and ways not to do it. And wouldn't you know, the next day I get a note from Travelers United headed know the TSA firearms travel rules for passengers on planes. So we have posted those at TravelGuysRadio.com. And if you are one of those folks who, for a variety of reasons, need to have a gun in your an unloaded gun in your luggage, uh, this is you can go there and find out what the rules are so that you can follow them. Uh, temperatures on a Delta flight in Las Vegas. Uh, this was last Monday. Got to 114 degrees inside the airplane. Ouch! Oh, uh, yeah. This was Let a flight scheduled. To, 
<laughs> exactly. From uh, Las Vegas to Atlanta, it was scheduled to depart shortly before 2 p.m. Um, in Las Vegas. So uh, get this. Temperatures are so hot in Las Vegas that this particular flight has to divert to Oklahoma City on many days because the plane can't fly nonstop to Atlanta due to the temperature, which impacts takeoff performance, which impacts the amount of fuel they can carry on the airplane. So planes that are flying, I I guess Las Vegas to Atlanta is one of the longer flights across the country. But anyway, on this particular day, passengers sat on the plane for more than three hours. Uh, The delay was uh, because they were waiting for uh, pilots. Um, Apparently, you you have to have flight attendants to board an airplane, but you can board an airplane without pilots. The cabin wasn't cooling off the way that it should. And um, so the airline said, well, we're working to try to find another plane, another flight to Atlanta. If you get off the plane, then that's going to be problematical. As a result, most passengers stayed on board. Several threw up. Uh, Some had to put oxygen masks on. After about four hours on the plane, paramedics were called. Several people were taken off the plane on stretchers with oxygen masks, including a flight attendant. At this point, passengers were finally asked to disembark. What happened to uh, what, what what happened to the rule about uh, stranding people out on the tarmac or or in the plane for over a certain period of time? I thought there was some some rules that came down as a result of some bad things that have happened. Did that that rule just go away? Did, are, well, did, did, did I hear you correctly? Tar- Four they were hours? on the tarmac for a good part of this time, Tom. Uh, here's Delta's statement. We apologize for the experience our customers had on Flight 555 from Las Vegas to Atlanta on July 17th, which ultimately resulted in a cancellation. Delta teams are looking into the circumstances that led to uncomfortable temperatures inside the cabins. We appreciate the efforts of our people and first responders at Harry Reid International. Nothing has come from Delta since Monday on that. So, um, I, yeah, I, Tom, I don't know. You okay. know, it, 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 it's, uh, there's a lot of moving parts on a flight. You're, you're waiting for a pilot. You're waiting for flight attendants. You're waiting for catering. You're waiting for baggage. Um, you're waiting for clearance from the tower. You've got weather to deal with. Um, there are a lot of moving parts here. We'll kind of keep an eye on this just so we can see um, what the explanation is at the end because, to your point, um, folks are not supposed to be left on an aircraft. Um, there are rules about that. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Of course, the fines and the like are not things that seem to bother the airlines too much. So that it, it may be that the the punishment doesn't necessarily fit the crime. Yeah, All right, a couple of other things here quickly. Um, Amps, the city of Amsterdam has banned cruise ships from docking in the city. This is pretty interesting um, because Amsterdam is a big cruise ship city. Um, it's part of an effort to curve over tourism and alleviate damage from pollution, as what government officials in Amsterdam are saying. Uh, cruise ships in the city center do not fit in with the task of combating mass tourism. If you've ever been to Amsterdam, you know that it can be very, very crowded. So uh, they're not going to let cruise ships stop in the city center. Uh, local officials announced plans to build uh, a new... Uh, cruise ship terminal. Um, government is considering plans for an alternate site. No decision is imminent. So for right now, at least, it looks like it doesn't say when this is going to take effect. But uh, you may not be able to stop in Amsterdam. 
on a cruise. Well, Interesting. The folks, the Dutch folks are pretty progressive when it comes to pollution and things like that. So, you know, remember the Amsterdam airport a couple weeks ago we reported is going to limit the number of flights. So they got a lot of criticism for that. It doesn't seem to bother them. So we'll keep an eye on. The Dutch people are seem to be kind of forging their own road here when it comes to some of the things that involve the warming of the planet. So good for them. All right, a couple of other things that are not airline-related. A Broadway union reached a tentative agreement with management, averting a Broadway strike. This also would have impacted traveling Broadway shows around the country. Uh, This happened uh, late Thursday night. Keeps Broadway from going on strike and keeps the traveling Broadway shows around the country which might include places like Broadway, Sacramento, Music Circus, San Francisco, places like that that people mm-hmm. like to attend who live here locally. A couple of other Broadway notes. Melissa Etheridge has a show that she does herself called My Window. It's headed to Broadway in a limited nine-week residency. It's going to start in late September. So if you are a Melissa Etheridge fan, she is bringing her, her music and a story of her life to Broadway for nine weeks starting in late September. Um, also, another Broadway note here, a new show, Back to the Future, Ooh. is headed to Broadway. I'm not sure how they're going to do that, but it could be fun, and I want to go. Me too. I don't know who's go- who's in it or how good it's going to be or how awful it's going to be, but I want to go. <laughs> um, and finally, a theme park nearly the size of Disneyland is coming to an area just off Route 66. Um, the American Heartland Theme Park and Resort is uh, ne- going to be nearly the size of Disneyland. It's going to be in northeast Oklahoma near the town of Vanita. I know that little that little area there. Anyways, this is uh, uh, going to be 125 acres, and plans are underway. They're going to have an RV and campground, and all kinds of cool things. They are projecting that it will bring 4.9 million visitors annually to northeast Oklahoma. I've been to northeast Oklahoma a few times. You're going to need a little infrastructure mm-hmm. to accommodate those people. And finally, our American our Mannheim Steamroller Contest last week, yes. we gave away some CDs. Congratulations to Sydney, Cindy Magnus, Tony Foster, Sally Lindstrom, Pat Newquist, and Bill Tom, you are the winners of those CDs, and those folks have been notified and should be receiving your CDs sometime next week. So thanks for all those who jo- who sent in an entry form, and Tom, that's your travel news for today. I left my heart. San Francisco High on a hill It calls to me Ah, yes. I left my heart in San Francisco. We lost Tony Bennett last week. 96 years old, Tom. Well, we should all be so lucky. I, you know, I, I think a lot of us thought that Tony would just go on and on forever because he is just, he's been around for so long and he was such an icon and loved by so many, you yeah. know, who that we thought. And we he was just... a New York guy who had a song about leaving his heart in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, you're So right. talk about <laughs> figuring out a way to endear yourself uh, to both coasts. 
So, of course, uh, those who attend ball, ball games at Oracle Park in San Francisco know that um, that's the song that plays at the end of every ball game there. So mm-hmm. farewell and uh, safe travels to, to our friend Tony Bennett, whose uh, music made a lot of people happy over the years. Okay, let's talk about a couple things here that, to make you a smarter traveler. These are things we've talked about before. But they are things that have come up in my Travel Guys mailbox over the last month or so from listeners and things also that I'm seeing on the road. So they're worth reiterating because right now these are, are two of the uh, of the hottest things to make you a smarter traveler. One, if you're going to the theater or a ballpark and you like to take things in with you, you know, maybe at the ballpark you like to take your lunch because food inside is expensive or when you're going to the theater, you know, maybe you take in a sealed bottle of of water because it saves you the $5 that you would pay to buy the water inside so you can take some medication at intermission or something like that. Folks have lots of reasons for taking things inside of a venue, but I want you to know, having been to a variety of venues all over the country this summer, um, that plastic, see-through plastic bags are really becoming the thing. Many venues have for a while had kind of a thing where they're saying, well, we'd like you to bring in a clear plastic bag, but within these limits, we'll still let you bring in other bags, purses, etc. We are now starting to see some venues where they say, if it isn't clear plastic and it isn't this size, it ain't coming in. I don't care if you have to walk back to your car. Uh, Some stadiums have installed lockers now where you can leave things outside the stadium for a fee, of course, Mm -hmm. um, if you bring the wrong thing and try to enter. But I just really want to emphasize to you, if you're going to a theater, if you're going to a ball game, you're going to any kind of a venue, a festival, or something that's controlled entry, that's the general public, um, in order to keep people safe, more and more venues are requiring that you bring a clear plastic bag. The the size, this kind of standard size that they're all going with is 12 by 6 by 12. Um, so you can bring basically a 12 by 12 bag that's 6 inches wide, um, which is not huge, but it still will bring most of those things that I was talking about when we started this little bit here. So it will allow you to bring essential things into the stadium. You know, if it's a cold day, uh, perhaps a stadium blanket or something like that. But this is the deal, folks. In order to keep everybody safe, the people at the gate want to see what you're bringing in. So if you don't already have one of these, I would strongly suggest to you that it's something that you need to look into very, very soon. And the other thing I want to bring up, Tom, is something we've we've mentioned this a couple of times recently, and more and more people are falling victim to this. If you Google your airline, your hotel chain, your whatever – online, be careful when the telephone numbers come up. Some of those numbers are people who have purchased um, advertisements, so they can be placed ahead of. If you're looking up United Airlines, United Airlines on Google comes up third the last time I looked. Delta Airlines comes up second or third, even when you enter Delta Airlines, because someone has paid money to put their advertisement to come up ahead of the airline. And when you just randomly, you're not paying a lot of attention, and you see Delta Airlines, and you click on it, and now you've gone to a site that isn't Delta Airlines. So just be really careful. Um, You're looking for the words official site. That seems to be the most uh, common thing. So look for the words official site, 
and make sure that when you go to one of these places online that you're actually getting the website that you're looking for and not somebody who's going to scam you because in many cases you're looking to buy a ticket, you're looking to exchange a ticket, you're looking to cancel a ticket, and these folks are going to feed you lines about fees and things like that that the airline wouldn't be charging you you'll be playing by a different set of rules and the other problem you may have is that you make a change with one of these people and now you need to make another change and you find out that the airline that what they did wasn't really kosher and it really doesn't work and so now you've paid them your ticket is messed up and now you've got to chase somebody on the internet and who knows you maybe you're flying tomorrow and you don't have that luxury so it could end up costing you a lot of money Good point. Good point. Uh, I was just going to mention in regards to the uh, bags, the clear bags and all of that. Uh, uh-huh. I- I've seen people at uh, at the Golden One Center where the Kings play. Everybody knows the place by now. Uh, so it's quite a walk to the entrance. Well, uh, it's quite a walk back to the place yep. where the lockers are. If you have to take something back and put it in a locker or your car... And I've seen it happen many, many times. They'll be standing there, and they'll they'll send them back. And these people, I mean, they got a game to make, right? You know, it, it's it, on a day where it's the weather is crappy. Maybe during the king season, it's raining. So, you, like Mark said, do plan ahead. Check the venue specific site because they're not all the same. No, they are not. And but this is what's coming. So really and truly, if if you're a person who goes to these types of venues, go get yourself one of these bags. At Sports Leisure Vacations, we give them out as promotional items frequently to our customers when we're having pre-tour orientations and the like. All right, Mark, welcome back. I mean, uh, we were roasting here, and all I could think (laughs) about was Mark up in uh, Washington, uh, the state of uh, Puget Sound, uh, basking in the, what, 75, 80-degree weather? Yeah, people, you know, people, Tom, sometimes folks ask me, especially friends and, and folks that I know, they say, you know, well, you've spent 40-plus years, you know, in the travel industry, and that's all great and everything, but did you make any money? And I say, well, you know, the travel industry isn't necessarily the place that you go to make money. It's a place that, you, I mean, I've spent my entire adult life taking people to fun places and getting to go with them. So um, I don't think it's necessarily about money. And as you point out this week, it was really about being in a place where the weather was wonderful. I took a bunch of sports leisure travelers up to Puget Sound. We have a trip every we do every year called Ferries and Towns of Puget Sound, where we go up and spend four nights at this incredibly wonderful uh, unknown place on the west side of, of Puget Sound. It's just off of Bainbridge Island. And it's run by the Suquamish Native American tribe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chief Seattle, and Seattle is an Anglican pronunciation of his name, but Chief Seattle um, was of this tribe. So that's kind of an interesting history tie. And he was an incredibly smart man. Um, sometime, if you want, if you're a historian, um, Google Chief Seattle and see some of the things that he had to say about white men coming, European settlers coming uh, to his territory, and what it was going to mean for his people. Anyways, we went up, stayed in this lovely resort. It has uh, rooms. It has two types of rooms at the Clearwater Resort. You can stay in their regular hotel, which is in the casino, which is very nice. Or just down the sidewalk a few hundred feet is this beautiful lodge where half of the rooms face 
Puget Sound. Mm-hmm. They all have uh, balconies or terraces, and so you can sit out in the evening if you wish. And when you wake up in the morning, you have this beautiful view of Puget Sound in the evening. Uh, it's it's you're not facing the way for the sunset, but as the sun sets and casts shadows, it's a really remarkable place. And and let me guess, the sports leisure vacation travelers stay there. We do, yeah. we do. We've yeah. stayed there for quite a while, <laughs> and I I really love it. It's called a Clearwater Resort. In case you're a home gamer, uh, following along with us, uh, it was a great place to stay, and that becomes our headquarters for jumping off our jumping off point for going all over the place. Just down the road is a wonderful little community called Palsbo, which is a Norwegian uh, descent village, and they play the part really well. There are lots of cool little shops and restaurants and things like that there. Um, one of the best bakeries in the country, Sly's Bakery, has been going there, oh, gosh, for must be close to 100 years now. Um, on the street, so make sure you leave room for a treat. Slice is the only bakery I've ever seen in the country that has a line um, out the bakery and outside the door at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, usually people are buying their donuts and pastries earlier in the day. Your favorite Slice pastry? Yeah, oh, oh, they do a Danish donut. Danish that's, donut. Uh, that, that's, that's really, yeah, is really pretty cool. Um, that's, that's kind of my favorite, but all kinds of things there, none of which, um, will make you, will allow you to tighten your belt a notch. Um, best ice cream anywhere that I've, I'm on, I'm kind of an ice cream guy. My, Mark my travel is an ice cream. Yeah. He is the ice cream guy. Um, and yeah. there's a place called Mora's M O R A. It's a small chain, mostly in, uh, in and around Puget Sound. So if you go up there at, not just in Paul's Bow, there's one on, in Bainbridge, the town of Bainbridge Island. There are several others around the sound. Mora's, M-O-R-A. Uh, wonderful ice cream. I went into the store when I was up there last summer, and I think I've told this story before, Tom, you know, that how you go into an ice cream store and all the tubs, you can see all the ice cream, the different flavors and stuff like that in most mm-hmm. ice cream stores, mm-hmm. Baskin-Robbins, any place else. You go into Mora's, and all the ice creams are in these metal uh, containers, and you so you can't see the ice cream, and you 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 know if you're stupid like me, and you ask you know where's the ice cream, the guy behind the counter informs you that sir, um, the ice cream is in these metal containers because every ice cream has different ingredients, it needs to be stored at a different optimum temperature, so the ice cream will taste the best that it can, and it's like oh excuse me um never mind, but anyways uh, the ice cream at Mora's is something that if you go up to Puget Sound and you love ice cream. Uh, it would just be it would be a crime not to stop. And the good thing is, is there are different moras in different towns, so you could do a moras tour really and just eat ice cream for for several so days. What, what, uh, what, what is the fixation with us needing to see the ice cream? I mean, we know what chocolate ice cream looks like. Well, that's what, what it is. Every uh, you know, it's a visual thing. I know. You can see it. it they it, put it on the scoop. But at Mora's, it's all secret. Yeah, it makes more sense because, than when you come right well, down to it. Well, it does make sense that an ice cream with, you know, with certain types of fruit in it might be s- different from an ice cream that's, you know, a version of a s'mores or, you know, marshmallow might need a different temperature than chocolate, might need a different temperature than blueberries in order to taste. Oh, the blueberry yeah. ice cream is unbelievable, by the way. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, some other cute little towns around there. Uh, Port Gamble. Has a wonderful old museum. Uh, we went there for a dinner. There was a, a, a sometimes Tom. The best things are born from 
from situations that you can't predict. There was a power failure on oh, the peninsula mm-hmm. the night that we were going to Port Gamble for a dinner in the museum. So we couldn't eat in the museum because there was no power except for just very, very minimal emergency lighting. So they moved us out on the lawn, which was fine. The temperature was in the 70s, and we had a a very nice dinner. Well, the next thing we were doing was a ghost walk. And the ghost walk would have been hard to do with tables in the museum, but the tables were outside now. So our guy, you know, I'm kind of a ghost fan, and our our man up there, Pete, um, he's also a ghost guy, very big fan of, of, of the paranormal and so he took us into the museum and explain. you know, once again, these are things that happen here that nobody can explain. We're all sort of used to it, but uh, people who come from far and wide. So it's I don't the ghost walk, I don't know, is something that you could get as a member of the public. We is something that we arranged special for our group with a with a catered dinner. But anyway, the museum in Port Gamble is really worth a stop. Another thing that we found really cool was uh, the Japanese Exclusion Memorial at Bainbridge Island. Now, there are Japanese memorials all over the West Coast for the internment camps. Mm-hmm. And this is not, this is different. This is not a memorial to a camp. This is a memorial to when the folks who lived on Bainbridge Island were forced to leave to go to an internment camp. And the, their story on Bainbridge Island is very different than it was anywhere else because the other residents on Bainbridge Island protected these people's property and their stuff. And so when when the war died down and people Japanese people were allowed to return to their homes, in many cases there wasn't anything to go back to. On Bainbridge Island there was. So um, And one of the ladies who takes us on a walk along the memorial was a lady who was part of that removal years ago Mm -hmm. so um she has her memories to share if you go to bainbridge island the japanese exclusion memorial is about eh, six seven tenths of a mile from the ferry terminal it's really not walkable but it is some place that um you really should put on your itinerary because it's it's some place that's really special to to visit there's lots of places to shop if you're the kind of person who likes to nose around in little goodie stores or knickknack shops or stuff like that there are lots of towns the ferry boats up there um generally you're only charged to fare one direction now we were char- traveling on a motor coach um which also goes on the ferry boats mm-hmm. most of the ferry boats are non-reservation there are some routes that you have to have a reservation on so if you're Thinking about taking going up to Washington State, taking the ferries around Puget Sound, it's something you need to do your homework for uh, because of the fact that some need reservations. The ones that don't require reservations are kind of catch-as-catch-can because at certain times of the day and certain days of the week, they're very popular when people are returning from Puget Sound to Seattle at the end of a weekend. You might have to sit through a couple of ferry boats that only leave every 45 minutes or an hour in order to get back to the other side. Ultimately, it might be quicker to drive around the sound. So there is a little homework required here. And if you're going to go up there, let me just encourage you, be careful about going. It's summer and it's peak time. So I just mentioned, you know, on Sunday afternoons, people are going back to Seattle. So that would be a great time to go from Seattle over to the sound Mm -hmm. and spend a couple of days. Sunday evening, Monday is going to be Saturday, of course, is not a good day, but early in the week, um, better days to go. Also, one thing that really stands out to me about travel these days 
and that is the early bird really gets the worm. If places are that are crowded in our peak periods, if you drag your raggedy butt out of bed earlier in the morning, you're not only going to have a shorter line at breakfast, you're going to find that nobody is any of these places that you're going yet. If you arrive at 9 or 10 o'clock right when it opens, the parking lots are empty. Parking can become a huge problem in some of these uh, park sites and, and sightseeing places by even 11 or 12 o'clock. But if you go early... When it first opens, you not only have the place to yourself, but you parking is easy. Um, then you're, if you start earlier, you'll want to eat lunch earlier, which will keep you out of lunch crowds. So there's a lot to be said, especially for outdoor places or places that you want to shop or look around. Um, the little town of Paulsbo, like I said, the bakery doesn't have a line at 9 o'clock in the morning, but by 11 or 12, the line's out the door. So think about if you're going on vacation – well, if you're with your family, whatever, I know it's it's probably hard to get going sometimes early in the morning and you say, well, I'm on vacation. But think about maybe an 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning day that ends at 3 or 4 in the afternoon, and then you have a leisurely dinner and you do something in the evening that's just kind of fun and laid back, and your vacation time becomes more in the evening than it is earlier in the day. You know, I, I just feel that over time we have become a get-up-late Go to bed late, society. So we there's a, a lot more people are just not getting up and 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 going. And so if you can, if you can readjust your schedule, like Mark says, and you get be that uh, early bird and, and get that yep. worm. That great advice. It really and, and and I've seen this. Like I said, you know, I, I've traveled a lot the last few months. You're probably getting tired of these trip recaps, <laughs> but the the thing that that stands out to me all over the place is if you're there a little bit early, you can just m- beat massive numbers of people. You know, if, if, if 10 is full at a park or a, a site or in any sort of place that you want to see, um, you know, at, at 11 o'clock in the morning or noon, it's already up to 9. But at 9 o'clock in the morning or in some of these natural spots that where the parking lot is just open and you can go any time and the weather's nice and you get up and go early in the morning and now you're getting the kind of experience that you're looking for. And so if you're, you know, you're that kind of person who wants a little privacy or doesn't want that gazillion people all over the place, kids underfoot, whatever it is, um, early in the morning is my, my suggestion. Anyway, back to ferry boats. Uh, make sure that you do your homework there. Um, in most cases, you're only paying for the ferry one direction. So the other direction is free. So that uh, it's and and in most cases now much of that is automated. So you want to make sure that you uh, that you're prepared. Uh, if you go up to the Seattle area, great small chain of restaurants. We have found a place called Anthony's. Um, of course, there's Ivar's. That's very well known. Um, there are some other small chains up there. Depending on where they're located, uh, they can be very expensive. But we have found Anthony's. And in particular, there's one in a little town called Des Moines, which is a South Seattle suburb, just south of the airport by about 10 minutes. It's out on the water. The staff there is wonderful. The food is terrific. The prices are very reasonable. And because you're outside of the city, it's it's not quite as, as overpriced. There are Anthony's all over the Puget Sound area, mostly on the Seattle side. Uh, the one in Des Moines is the one that I recommend, but I think you'll – You'll you'll get a good meal at any of those spots. So sometimes you're trying to you know to avoid the chain restaurants, but this is a small chain where the people seem to really care 
about the quality of food and the, and the quality of experience that they're putting out for people. Seattle is an easy place. That's where you're going to fly into, by the way. Right. Um, Seattle's an easy place to get to from Sacramento because we have three airlines, Delta, Southwest, and uh, Alaska, serving Seattle, each of them with multiple flights a day. I think there's 13 different flights a day to Seattle. So that keeps the fares competitive, and you can go at just about any time. Of course, Southwest doesn't charge you to check bags. So uh, Seattle is a an easy destination. Get on that ferry boat. And you know you can ride as a passenger on the ferry boats. You can get on the ferry boat in Seattle, ride over to Bainbridge Island, get off, walk around, have some lunch, get back on the ferry boat, come back over to Seattle. What a cheap way. You wouldn't need a car, $150 a day rental car for that day. You know, I mean, I'm just saying. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, anything we missed that we need to get uh, to get on here right now? No, I, I I think that that pretty well pretty well covers it. It's always good though. Um, I'm really lucky. I generally get to travel with a group of really nice people, and that was that was the case in this situation. A lot of sports leisure travelers who um, we had fun together, and we and and there are some things that you can do as a group, as I mentioned, that aren't always available to single travelers like the walk through the exclusion memorial with the gal who actually was a part of the evacuation of the Japanese from Bainbridge Island. So uh, sometimes you can find a little gem in there when you're traveling with a group. And we've got some odds and ends to cover. Odds and ends. Hey, if you've been following the lost bag update, well, he got his bag back after a couple weeks. United found the bag, sent it back. Everything was inside the bag and was, you know, was in good shape good stuff okay. like that so it, now it's been we're going on five weeks and he submitted a, a claim because most of his work clothes were in the bag and he had to replace them uh, at considerable expense so we're going to see united hasn't responded yet they said four to six weeks so we're going to give them their six weeks oh god i'm hoping they don't respond i really am um because i would i would really love to go to war with them on this oh, boy. um because it, it it feels like a situation where they will say no and where they won't have a leg to stand on. And so I would it would just it would give me so much pleasure to take an airline to small claims court and beat them. I've wanted to do that for like forty years and this would be the great opportunity. Anyway, we will keep you posted as to how that works plays out because for those of you who have lost bag situations, this might be something our experience might help you. Um, and if that's the case, that would be great. Listen, we talk a lot about travel insurance on this program. And most of the time, we're talking about insurance that will kick in and and refund you the cost of your trip or a good portion of the cost of your trip if, for some reason, you cannot go. But um, there's another real important reason to have travel insurance, and it has nothing to do with the cost of the trip, making sure that you have medical coverage. Uh, Medicare does not cover you in most countries when you get outside of the United States. Or if it does, it will cover you on a reimbursement basis. So you'd have to be able to have the ability to pay for your treatment at the time and perhaps get reimbursed later. Um, there are there is many there are many types of insurance that include some type of emergency medical reimbursement, and some of them include emergency evacuation. If you're going to a remote area, or you're somebody who um, likes to climb the mountain or swim the sea then um, you may have, you're getting yourself into, you know, if you're an adventure traveler, you're getting yourself into situations where you might be more prone to need 
uh, some type of emergency situation. And emergency evacuations by helicopter and ambulance and the like from remote situ- uh, places can be extremely expensive. So see if, if that is a type of travel that you do. And also, when you're, when you're taking out your travel insurance, the question you want to ask is, what type of health insurance is in there? Uh, Charlie Leoka from uh, Travelers United constantly uh, remind. Whenever I start talking about insurance, Charlie says, um, "You know, you can purchase an annual plan uh, if you're a tra- person that travels a lot, or you can purchase it trip by trip." So make sure you ask your travel advisor, or um, that that famous travel guy's word comes up again. Homework. Uh, mm-hmm. Do your homework, and if you spent twenty or thirty minutes sitting in front of your computer. And Googling different types of insurance, you'd be a lot more, a lot better informed traveler. But just remember, when you're when you're getting trip insurance, something be be aware of the medical possibilities that might come up where you might need some sort of evacuation for, uh, you know, for something that you really didn't anticipate, and the cost of that evacuation can really be astronomical. One other thing I'll touch on here before it's time for us to go, Tom. Uh, the oversized travelers have been – this has been talked about in several different places. I'm looking at an article from CNN Traveler. Um, it, it, there's a two-way street here. Uh, plus-size travelers uh, in some cases are asked to buy an extra seat. Southwest Airlines says uh, buy an extra ticket, and we will refund the second seat after you fly which seems like a fairly reasonable way to to do things. Listen, if you're a plus-size traveler, I'm sure you don't want to inconvenience other people. You don't want to squeeze into a seat that wasn't built for you. If you're not a plus-size traveler, the reverse applies. Um, you don't want to be squeezed by somebody. It's not a pleasant situation for anybody. But people are larger. The fact of the matter is that people are larger. And airlines, airline seats, legroom, all smaller than they used to be. So you could say, well, you know, if you're a plus-size traveler, uh, just buy a first-class seat. Well, um, those are a lot more expensive. And uh, so without getting too deep in depth into this, um, there are a lot of different ways. So if you are a plus-size traveler, consult with the airline. I think Southwest is the best way for you to go. Well, all right. Music tells us it's uh, time to wrap it up here with another Travel Guys radio program. Mark? Thank you for joining us on the Travel Guys today. And remember, dance like nobody's watching. Stay well, my friends. We'll see you next week, 3 o'clock.